Looking for a job isn't easy. It used to be that you could apply at a big name tech company and build a great career for yourself. But times have changed. Many of these companies have gone full woke. And if you aren't the right gender, ethnicity, you don't use pronouns, or if you're not an activist for the preferred cause, then good luck. Why would you risk your career on that? At Red Balloon, we're connecting good employees with top quality companies that value you for your skills and your work ethic, not your social activism score. Employers who post jobs on Red Balloon are focused on creating an enjoyable and productive work culture, free from divisive woke mandates. So if you want to find a serious career path without the nonsense, come to Red Balloon and post your resume today. Because you shouldn't have to choose between your job and your values. That's redballoon.work, where you can find your future. Currently, I'm going through a lawsuit um, against my school district because um, at the end of this seven-month trial that I, I walked through with them, um, they chose to fire me in their words because they could not accommodate my religious beliefs. Hey everybody, Michael Thiessen here, and you are listening to Open Mic with Michael Thiessen. This show is produced by Liberty Coalition Canada in partnership with ChristianWeek.org. Liberty Coalition Canada exists to establish Christ's righteousness and justice and to defend those who stand. So we like to inform people about what scripture says about life, and then we like to stand legally with Christians who are going to live out a life for Christ publicly. And Christian Week exists as a small little news organization to produce practical, balanced, hope-filled um, information and a, and a good perspective on national and global issues. And so welcome to the show, everybody. Today, I get to interview Jessica Tapia and Julianne Fleischer. Uh, Jessica is a brave Christian teacher in California, and you're going to hear about her story and Julianne is representing her legally. So ladies, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to have you here today. Great to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So Jessica, why don't we just get started with you sharing the timeline and story of what's going on in your life, particularly concerning your teaching role. Uh, this is just so you know, this is a very common story happening in Canada right now. And uh, we at Liberty Coalition Canada are actually defending a, a number of individuals in the same type of situation. Why don't you explain for our listeners what you're going through? Sure. Yeah. Currently, I'm going through a lawsuit um, against my school district because um, at the end of this seven month trial that I, I walked through with them, um, they chose to fire me in their words because they could not accommodate my religious beliefs. So I'm kind of working um, backwards. But the way that came about is um, my school district put policies on me, specifically transgender policies on me after students had essentially found me on social media, discovered my Christian conservative beliefs and decided to take them in a hateful way and sent several posts of mine into the district and essentially said, you know, we feel disrespected or discriminated against or, um, you know, whatever it is they said, the district was concerned. So they started investigating me. Um, they did allow me to come back to work. I didn't end up going back, though, because that is when I was presented with these policies that they said, we're barely allowing you to come back to work after what has been found, but you are going to have to follow, comply with several directives. And that's the moment where red flags went up for me. And I, I'd never felt this before. I was in my sixth year of teaching and it just hit me like, I don't think I can be a Christian and a public school teacher anymore. Um, and it's because these policies were were of the following the first one was that i had to call students by their preferred gender pronoun i i had to you know even if i knew in my heart that wasn't the truth of of who they are you know and 
So, so that's lying. So immediately I'm, I'm just not feeling good about that. And then the second one, they actually vocalized with me. This was not in writing at the time, but they said, you also need to withhold that information from parents. If a student ever comes to you with, you know, a new preference. Um, and I, I clarified, are you asking me to lie to parents? And they said, yes, it's for student safety and privacy. And so again, I'm just feeling like this is this is not right. Um, and then a third one was that I had to completely refrain from speaking to students about God or the Bible, which I had let my district know. You know, I've I've only ever done that if they've come to me with a question. You know, I know my legal bounds in being able to to share of my faith, and just like anything else, it has to be from an educational standpoint. You know, by no means persuasive or proselytizing. And, you know, kids have come to me with questions about where, you know, Miss Tapia, do you go to church? Where do you go to church? What's your favorite Bible verse? And I answer those. I have the right to do that. And I let my school district know that, but they said, no more. This is not the time and place. Even if they ask you, you cannot answer their question. And so after that meeting, I was in complete turmoil. And mind you, again, they were telling me I could come back to work. Um, but I, I knew a decision had to be made and I needed time. I went off on stress leave for three months, you know, just praying and seeking counsel. You know, what am I going to do next? Because no matter what I decided, it was going to be a hard decision. And I felt essentially I had three choices. Go back and put my head in the sand, which I'm afraid many teachers are doing. And that's really not, um, you know, helping fight this evil in any way at all. Um, secondly, I could have just resigned, um, which actually, as my pastor put it, that would have just been quitting. And then the third one was to just speak up, right, you know, and let my district know, hey, I am ready to come back to work and do my best for my students as I always have. But I need you to know, you know, there are a, a few directives you've given me that I, I can't follow, you know, it'd be against my beliefs to do that. And so um, after my stress leave, this was last December, um, God just made it uber clear to me that I, I was to just speak up to my district about these directives. Mind you, I did have half of a resignation letter written, but um, I had no peace about that and I could never seem to finish it um, and just kept just entrusting him to to guide my steps. And he definitely did. So I emailed my district end of December last year and said, I'm ready to come back to work. Um, I just need you to know you, there's a few policies I, I can't comply with. And here's why. And I explained why. And they responded and said, it sounds like you're asking for a, a religious accommodation meeting and we need you to come in and we'll see if and how we can accommodate your religious beliefs. And I was like, you know, OK, wonderful. Like, I, I, I want to be accommodated. I want to keep my career. And so I went into that and um, it was not what I expected. I, I was just questioned up and down, left and right on my faith. It was I felt as though they were, were testing to see if I was truly a Christian um, asking where I go to church and how often and what do I study and and what is it about my faith that says I can't respect a student's preferred pronoun or, you know, withhold that information from parents. And um, at the end of that, they said, is there anything else we need to know about that your faith won't allow you to do in your position? And I said, yeah, actually, I'm in a unique position. I'm a PE teacher. I oversee a female locker room. So I'll just let you know now, I will not be allowing biological males into the female locker room. And they said, we have a whole other issue then, because if they're saying they're female, you know, presenting like they're transitioning, you have to. They're, they're allowed to choose the facility they want to go into. And that was just kind of like the final <laughs> straw for me in realizing like things have gone very south and um it seems as though these these transgender policies and rights are are trying to you know come above really like constitutional rights basic rights of safety and basic rights of of parents and um 
So after that meeting, they, um, you know, thought about it. They allowed me to email them with any accommodation ideas I had. And again, I'm trying to to keep my job. And so I, I did. I offered up a few ideas that I could think of, um, even one that I wouldn't necessarily have loved because I'm there for my students. But I said, you know, if it could keep me my job, I would work at the district office, you know, um, but they... They said that none of my accommodation ideas would work and essentially that they could not accommodate my beliefs, my religious beliefs, and are releasing me from employment official January 31st of this year. Wow. Um, <laughs> Jessica, thank you for sharing that. I'm sure that reliving this and, and resharing all of this is, is um, on one hand, it's always strengthening and it's it's hardening in in the in in the muscular sense of the word hardening, you know, strengthening your muscles to uh, because you're using them and 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 it's so important. But just hearing that story and all the inconsistency, of course, you know, you're you're told you're not allowed to share your Christian beliefs while you're you're literally forced to uh, recognize the. Uh, uh, an ideology that is, you know, completely divorced from reality. But we'll get back to that in a minute. The one thing I wanted to ask to follow up right away, Julianne, as I was listening to Jessica's story is, it seems that there were uh, two things that are a pretty similar pattern that we've seen in the last two years. First of all, it seemed like um, they were, that the school board was was trying to test the sincerity of Jessica's beliefs. And what we've seen up in Canada is that the threshold for um, acknowledging someone's beliefs has gone far beyond uh, the law. And so would you say, Julianne, that that would be a part of the process that they went that they were that they were as as Jessica felt you know testing her and they're trying to establish a threshold of her beliefs and and did that go beyond California or federal law and then secondly the second question Julian to ask up it also sounds like a, a constructive dismissal uh, uh, situation right up until the point where they they did let Jessica go it also seemed like they were creating an environment that would make it almost impossible for her to return. Um, and, and then they, they ended up doing that. So can you talk about those two things, this whole testing threshold about sincerity of belief? And can you talk about, you know, were there concerns about constructive dismissal uh, as you're hearing Jessica's story? Or maybe that might be a moot point now that she's actually been released. Sure. Yeah, essentially what the school district did was put Jessica to the test. And in no shape or form is that appropriate um, especially from a legal standpoint. The, the threshold is, um, when it comes to these religious discrimination types of cases, is whether the individual has a sincerely held religious belief. Uh, but that's not the job of the school district to push how far uh, that sincerely held religious belief uh, is presented. Uh, in Jessica's case, um, it's very obvious where she aligns her faith and her beliefs and her convictions. And for the school district to... Uh, not only uh, push these these directives, which, as you mentioned earlier, was one type of ideology, but push these directives on Jessica and then question her up and down regarding her religious beliefs. It was it was completely uh, inappropriate. Uh, Jessica went through all the right motions as far as uh, presenting her disagreements with the directives, uh, asking for a religious accommodation, and the school district in no way uh, attempted to accommodate Jessica. Instead, as she mentioned, uh, they questioned her about her beliefs, what she believed, how long she's held those beliefs. And again, that's not the position of the school district uh, to do uh, whatsoever. And then to get to your second question, as far as this constructive dismissal, uh, they, they put Jessica in a lose-lose situation. Nothing Jessica could have done would have been good enough unless she had agreed to uh, affirm 100% these ideological points regarding gender affirming, transgender affirming, uh, these transgender affirming policies. Jessica had no way to keep her job unless she had um, 
essentially bowed down to this type of ideology. Um, there, there was essentially no way for her to exercise her sincerely held Christian beliefs in the school uh, dynamic. And as a result, uh, the school district punished, punished her by terminating her and letting her go from employment. And uh, Jessica was essentially forced to choose between um, her religious convictions or, or public employment. And unfortunately and sadly, the school district made her uh, make that decision, which no person should have to should have to decide. And as a result, Jessica uh, lost lost her job. Hey, friends, I'm happy to talk to you again about Rocklink Investment Partners. With inflation at 40-year highs and economic stagflation on the horizon, growing and preserving your hard-earned capital is of utmost importance. I know it's on my mind. And that's why Rocklink Investment Partners are so essential because they understand the investment challenges of today. Rocklink is an independent investment management firm focused solely on creating portfolios of high-quality businesses anchored to the time-tested principles of value investing, and they do not shy away from essential businesses that do not meet the World Economics Forum's definition of ESG. So email rocklink at info at rocklink.com, that's rocklink with a C, or visit them at www.rocklink.com. And again, that's link with a C. So I'm going to venture into an area here that I'm going to direct this question to Jessica. And, and Julianne, I want you to jump in after Jessica's done, if, if it's appropriate. But we're, we're going to get into this idea, this idea of ideology. Um, because it seems like we are we're not just dealing with a disagreement of uh, volleyball technique, right? So like I, you're a PE teacher, Jessica. I, I, I love so many different forms of sport. You know, y- you can come across PE teachers who would disagree about maybe like a six-man six women set up on a volleyball court but we're we're talking about an ideology that actually denies reality so and 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 so when you're talking about not being able to let a male into a female um change room and certainly not recognizing that that male is female simply just because he says he is Describe for so two two thoughts are coming to my mind. Number one, uh, I, I did this really creepy thing today. I was sitting in an auto mechanic shop with a buddy of mine, and I think Riley Gaines walked in. I, I'm living in Kentucky right now, and so I caught myself in a moment with my cell phone up, with a picture of her up, looking at the person because I didn't want to do the whole like, "Are you Riley Gaines?" and and my buddy was just saying, "Hey, do you realize, Pastor, that you're holding your phone up?" like looking at a girl right now, maybe you should. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh, Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. That's not the right way to go about this. It ended up not being her, but uh, so save me there. But this whole conversation reminds me about Riley Gaines and, and the conversations that she's been having and even, um, you know, being questioned before congressmen and senators about the obvious difference between a biological male and a biological female. Jessica, do you believe that these school boards really truly believe that a male can be a female just because he says it? Or is this political posturing? Uh, it, because it's, 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 it's almost, it is beyond reality. I want to believe that they don't actually believe in this ideology. Um, because the fact of the matter is, is it's based in feelings. We've gotten so hyper-focused on, on how one another feels. And in this case, in the public school setting, you know, teachers are, are really like taught, you know, the social emotional learning and how to really care about a student's feeling, which of course we should absolutely. Um, but it's, it's gone like to this whole other level where we're having to now affirm feelings even if they're not fact so that's that's like my issue is is we're now putting feelings above facts 
And not only, you know, it's, it's one thing if that individual wants to live out their feeling as though it is fact, but now we're, we're creating this whole environment where everyone around the individual also has to live as though that individual's feelings are facts. I mean, to the point where if you don't act as though, you know, that biological male student is a girl, you're fired from your job. And so it's, it's, it's scary to see society get to this point where it's like facts aren't even a thing anymore. Um, this ideology is based on feelings and feelings change and feelings fluctuate. And we need to, we need to stick to, to reality and to fact and to what is going to long-term be best for students. Because maybe in that moment, it might be best in someone's opinion to affirm how they're feeling, you know, but I look long-term for what's going to be best long-term, what's going to set my students up for a successful future, you know, for, for true joy and purpose. And I certainly know that uh, affirming a lie about who they were created to be is not going to set them up for a bright future. As a matter of fact, it's a very dark future to, to affirm someone down that, that road of, of, attempting to transition to a gender um, that they're not. So Julianne, as follow-up to that, the reason why I wanted to go with Jessica first is because, of course, we're in a legal climate that's also very focused on rights language. So I even know that your case is centered around Jessica's rights. But at some point, individual rights clash. And when one rights group is dealing in many respects, in reality, and then another rights group is dealing in an other, an alter reality. How do we navigate that legally? Because ultimately, we do have to discern, and we do have to, um, we do have to discriminate if someone's promoting a non-reality. Like I, I'm, you know. No officer, it's my right to drive 100 miles an hour, and I was driving 100 miles an hour, but I interpret a mile differently than you do, so I was really only going 60 miles an hour. It's not like we can actually represent rights if people are living in another world. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the reality of why we need standards. We need uh, boundaries and this that goes to the same in the legal context and and hopefully and it's our hope that we have judges that uh, put feelings aside and look at what does the law say what 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 is uh, a first amendment right what is the right to religious exercise what does that look like feelings aside uh, even putting you know our own personal beliefs or jessica's personal feelings about the matter aside what what are the legal limitations to this can a school district terminate someone uh, because of their sincerely held religious beliefs the constitution says no absolutely not um can a school district compel a teacher to uh, voice something that the teacher disagrees with um, because of their religious beliefs. The Constitution says absolutely not. There's a reason that we have uh, these uh, constitutionally protected rights. And when uh, we have judges or activist judges, uh, political judges, unfortunately, that's where I think you see this ideology of feelings and this uh, fear of the, the mob mentality take, take place. And so uh, within the Constitution, within uh, the, the First Amendment, there's a right to free exercise uh, your your religious beliefs. Does it mean that we can go and discriminate against one another? Absolutely not. But again, that's why there are boundaries. That's why there are safeguards within the Constitution to protect individuals' uh, rights within within the workplace or within any within any context. And so, uh, hopefully, the the laws that we have in place and the the safeguards uh, protect this this idea of what is reality. And while an individual can uh, ask to be you know to go by their preferred pronouns. They can go by their preferred pronouns, but to force that religious belief, that is that is a belief, that is a worldview uh, on someone else, 
uh, or force that person to lose their job. Uh, the Constitution doesn't doesn't stand for that. And even just looking at these types of policies that this school district put in place uh, on Jessica, policies, any type of policy always has consequences, short-term consequences or long-term consequences. And the more we see uh, workplaces or school districts implement these types of uh, policies, these gender affirming policies, there's going to be these long-term uh, consequences. Um, we're, we're asking teachers to lie uh, to students. We're asking teachers to lie to parents. Uh, what what kind of precedent is that going to set for the future? And really, are we setting up our, our young people for success when we are only concerned with their feelings? You can take a very compassionate approach uh, to to your relationships with people, but um, that line is crossed when you're only going to affirm their feelings. And that sets a very dangerous precedent um, for the long term and um, certainly for our young people today. Yeah, this idea of affirmation of self really comes from, you know, the modern development of secular psychology. And uh, you're, you're kind of seeing this everywhere. You're seeing this in, in you slip into the church, you're seeing this slip into the courts, you're seeing this certainly manifest itself in the school system. Um, you're a PE teacher, Jessica. Is there, is there any other discipline where just affirming someone's lack of skill or lack of acknowledgement of reality where that is that that is actually helpful like i'm just trying to think of any discipline you might teach a young person any sport you're required to teach them to to change their behavior you're 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 you're, you're teaching them to learn a new technique you're 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 uh, i can't think of another example where just simply having a, a, a child walk into a sporting environment saying no you just be you uh would actually fly even within uh, this 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 radical affirmation ideology. Like as as PE teachers, were you still expected to teach technique in sport? Right. Yeah. I mean, I have um, standards. There's you know middle school PE standards. There's high school PE standards. And um, you know when you when you were describing your thought there, I, I was thinking you know back to being being in the class or really like on the field with my students. And, um, you know, sadly, so many teenagers today, they are just living kind of in this other world on their phone. Um, we can't take phones away. So even if we ask them to, to put them away and, you know, participate in the activity or, you know, pay attention, it's really, it's, it's up to them to, to do that. Um, and I mean, I would have, you know, like a soccer game going or ask them, you know, say we're going to time a half mile and would just literally have students just pull their phone out and start walking the track, just, you know, staring at their phone or be like in the middle of a game where 75% of the kids are, are running and competing and they're standing in the middle of the field, like again, in another world, just like on their phone. And, you know, it, so thinking of like that scenario, it would have been so weird and strange for me to say, you know, good job, you know, good job, Sally, for you just standing there, you know, you're going to get hurt, right? Like there's kids flying by you, the ball's being kicked. Like I would have never affirmed that because there's, there's so many risks taking place there. Um, and it's, it's not, you know, fitting to, to the activity we're doing. Um, so yeah, again, it's 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 so bizarre to be in this place where we're just really it feels like we're not even expected to teach anymore, but to just like please the students and whatever they're wanting to do and whatever they're feeling like that day. And it's just like I I I signed up for so much more than this. I signed up to to educate and and bring value and help students find, you know, their purpose and keep them safe and, you know, respect, be a team with their parents. So earlier on, um, both with the religious accommodation and even how you described how careful you were being about proselytizing students or, or you know, respecting parents and students coming from other faith backgrounds where you, you would where you would respond if asked, but not, not go out of your way to... Um, you're being careful to be respectful. 
Um, what, what is it now that the Band-Aid is off? And, and, and what I mean by that is I'm, this is maybe more of a personal question to your Christian experience and your, and just now, now your Christian journey. Um, we have found that the more we speak up, the harder the attacks come, the, the, the worse the names are, and then the less we care. And, and there's a, there's an empowerment to that. I use the illustration of like a hardening muscle, but like you, you become a little bit impervious to what so many Christians are fearful of. And so has this helped you be outspoken and clear about your faith in Christ? It, is it legitimately not helped in, in the sense of where, no, it, it's a real battle for me. Where are you at now that you're a more public figure in this journey of, you know, being drug off to court and, and having to give testimony for Jesus? How has this affected you? Yeah. Um, you know, it, in the moment of making the decision to put my job on the line by speaking out against the directives, I had to make the decision then and there, which I've, I've just carried through with me and still have today and, and will forever live this out. But the decision was, what do I care about? Who do I care about? Pleasing man or honoring the Lord and, and fearing him in him only. And so that was the ultimate ultimate decision for me to make really in that moment of of how I was going to um, respond to these directives that I knew were against, you know, my beliefs and how I want to live and how I want to impact students. And so when I decided then and there, like, my fear is only in the Lord. I don't fear these higher ups in front of me that are saying, you know, you better follow these policies or you're gone. Sure, it was scary to sit there across from that table and and feel that pressure and feel so lonely in that room. Um, but I think there's a difference between, you know, that scariness and then, you know, where my genuine fear lies. And I had to remind myself, no, I, I only fear the Lord and when I'm going to meet him face to face one day and the account I'm going to have to give of, you know, what I did with my talents, right? What I did with my coins. Um, and I don't want to say that I just just buried them um, waiting for him to to return. Um, and so, yeah, this I've it's it's pretty I think about it often where I'm like, I just got some really awful messages or comments and I'm just like unbothered. Like I truly am. And I know that's only because of, of him, because of, of the Holy spirit. And, and honestly, half the time I, I don't even read the messages or read the comments because I'm, I'm just in, in this place now to just share the truth and, and be vocal, um, you know, about my beliefs and in, do my part to expose the evil that is going on today. And so um, I'm not going to let any sort of, of negative feedback stop me from what I've, I've already made the decision to do, which is just fear and honor God. And that's it. So Julianne, what is the legal climate like in California when it comes down to the definition of a male and a female? I know that Kentucky and Tennessee, I, Idaho, I believe, have all just passed really important legislation to define a male and a female um, according to chromosomes and um, other obvious uh, indicators. What's it like in California? Like, is, is there no definition of a male in California before the courts? Is there no definition of a female uh, before the courts in California? Or, or is there now because of stories like Jessica, is there now a redefining of this? Is there, is there any movement or what, what are you seeing in, in, in the legal climate right now? Yeah, in, in California right now, there's there's nothing before the courts as it relates to the scientific definition of, you know, what is a man, what what is a woman. And uh, unfortunately, we see uh, bills coming out of out of California that 
are, are intended to make California um, a transgender sanctuary. Actually, uh, Advocates for Faith and Freedom is, is fighting uh, a bill right now that uh, would essentially allow uh, minors from other states to come to California and receive gender affirming care, which is child mutilation. They're able to come here without their parents' consent. And the state of California is able to assume jurisdiction over the child, uh, provide uh, this mutilation treatment toward toward children and parents from other states, other states jurisdictions uh, can't even step in. And so those are the kinds of policies that unfortunately we're seeing coming out of California. Um, but that that that's why our organization exists. That's why we need more people like Jessica who are willing to to take a, a stand and to voice their opposition um, because uh, they're going to make us sound like the crazy ones. They're going to make us sound like we're the evil, bigoted ones. But uh, at the end of the day, um, our our interests uh, rest in caring for children, ensuring that uh, parents are our partners. Parents aren't enemies uh, of their children. And so ensuring that um, children are, are protected. And unfortunately, we don't have those kinds of policies that are affirming truly what a, a biological man is and what a biolo biological woman is. But uh, hopefully with more people like Jessica and our organization being able to fight and stand for truth uh, and justice uh, in, a, in a very dark, dark place. Uh, it, is, it is sad when you take a step back and just think about how broken our, our culture is and how perverted uh, our culture is. Um, but that's not, this isn't the time to put our hands up and say, okay, this world is crazy. Uh, this is absolutely the time for, for Christians to get involved and to, to, to voice uh, uh, truth and to take a stand for, for truth. When you said take, step back and, and, and take a look and step back and think, I, I was at, the, at that exact moment, I was, I was wanting to pose the question to both of you. I, neither of you have as much gray hair as I have. And so I am never going to ask a female their age publicly, but I'm assuming both of you are younger than I am significantly. And did you ever think, even as children, you growing up, that you would live in a world where people would deny maleness and femaleness with any type of sincerity? Did you ever... Did that? As little girls, did that ever cross your mind that you would be living in a world that denied maleness and femaleness, one of the most basic and obvious distinctions on earth? Uh, yes or no? I, I never, I never could have tried to think this up if I tried. Um, and it's funny, like when I first started having kids, I have three little ones, a five, three and one year old. Um, you know, I was, I was that parent that was like, yeah, I'm not going to shelter my kids. Right. I'm not going to keep them in, like in a bubble. They, they need to, you know, know what's out there. And it's, it's pretty crazy. I can truly say I've come to the point where I'm like, no, I'm sheltering them. Like, and I have no shame. I just don't, I'm not putting them in public school. You know, I, I'm going to filter everything that I can really, um, and it's so crazy to see me switch sides on that completely. Um, but again, that just goes to show how, how backwards things have become. And I just know that if I, if I do throw them out there, I'm throwing them out to the wolves and I at least need, you know, a good solid 18 years with them to hopefully, you know, lead them in the way they should go and then, you know, pray at that point that, that they can take it from there. Um, but yeah, I couldn't have thought this up if I tried. And I've always also um, had this fear about like Jesus returning before I got to have kids and raise them because that's obviously like as a woman, my, um, you know, the very thing I want to do with life, right, is to, to raise my children. And um, things have also gotten to a point where I'm like, I, I wouldn't be upset if he came pretty soon. I mean, it, I would be maybe a little sad to, again, not continue to raise them because that's just the best thing ever to do. But again, things have gotten so bad that I'm like, 
you can come. It's okay. Not that you need my permission, but. I, I want to respond to that, but I want to let Julia uh, have a chance to respond to that original question. Like, was this something that was across your desk at all? Or when did you first discover this as a phenomenon when you first started practicing law? You know, I, I think, um, I don't think I ever thought that it would get to this point. I even think back to just even when I was in elementary school, I had two older brothers and I wanted nothing more than to be able to compete with them, beat them, be as good as them. The reality is they were uh, 10 and 11 or five and seven years older than me. And so that I, I couldn't, but I remember thinking so much or so badly how I just wanted to be like my brothers. I wanted to be a boy. I wanted to be able to be on their same level. And I remember even crying and telling my parents, I just want to be a boy. I want to be, you know, faster, stronger. And, you know, I, I say that in, I was saying that in jest at the time when I was, you know, 11 years old, I was being pretty serious, but I just, I think back to the fact that had I been that same 11 year old today telling my parents and, you know, thank goodness my, my parents are, uh, know the truth. They love the Lord, no reality. And so there would have been no possibility of me ever, uh, going down anything, a, a path other than reality. But I just think had that 11 year old, uh, self, you know, exist now, um, my parents would have been labeled abusers. They would have been, you know, labeled bigoted. And so the fact that, I mean, the times change so quickly, but there is absolutely nothing new under the sun. There's always going to be perversion, sexual perversion. And so the fact that we are here now, um, it's, it's not surprising. Um, but at the same time, we see just how quickly uh, a culture can, can, um, can crumble. Uh, and so it, it's, it's sad, it's heartbreaking, but again, um, it's not cause for, for us to, to throw the, you know, our hands up because this is even more so like we want the Lord to come, but until the Lord comes, um, we have a battle to fight on, on behalf of the Lord and the Lord, uh, definitely goes, goes before us. Okay. So Julian, I have so much, uh, so many things to, to talk about with what you just said. And then Jessica, we'll go back to you and the return of Jesus uh, in a minute. So first of all, Julianne, just a little bit of a heads up. Um, I think you're going to be able to get your brothers eventually. Just wait until you're mid sixties, they're mid seventies. And you should have, <laughs> you should have almost a decade of pure dominance. So, you know, pick something that's good for a lower center of gravity and hard on the joints. And I think you'll, okay. you'll do quite well, but it, you might have to be okay about the sport um but on the point that you were talking about because let's just I, I like to be very real on the podcast so as you were speaking about oh i want to be a boy no you you never really wanted to be a boy you didn't want to be smelly you didn't want to be hairy you didn't want to um get pot bellies and have gas and and like you you didn't you wanted to be one dimension of a boy which is I want to be stronger in sports to be able to compete with them. You, you didn't, and, and I, th I think this is, this is where this denial of reality is so harmful because number one, we've eliminated the, any multiple, um, multi-dimensionalism of a female, you know, um, th these, these transgender activists and uh, I like to call them transformers they pretend to be women and the only thing that it means to be a woman is if i dress up with really gaudy makeup and overly sexualize myself that that's that's their and so they're like the young 11 year old girl saying i want to be a boy i want to be a boy and they're not you don't even know you don't even know what it's like to be a boy like you're ugly compared to like the beautiful femininity of of women like have you looked at 45 year old men? Like, come on, you don't want that. And so it's so one dimensional. And the fact that they would be listening to children about this and then mutilating their flesh to get this one dimensionalism uh, is so terrifying. But like you said, um, today, if a parent said, no, sweetheart, Let's sit down and talk about your older brothers for a minute. You would have either teachers lying to, to, to your parents so they don't even know what's going on, or you, had your, your, you would have your parents being accused of being abusers. All on this idea of a reductionist view of maleness and femaleness. It, it, it's, it's, it's terrible. I can think of a family 
I can think of two families who removed their daughters from the public school system simply because they were athletic girls and they feared that the school would, would push their, their desire for athleticism into this uh, transgender ideology. And it's interesting because I pastor women all the time and I, and I pastor some of these young girls and I say to them all the time, number one, do you know, do you know what like is really attracted to boys? No, what is that? It's a girl who likes to com be competitive with them. Like you're, you're perfectly fine. That's a perfectly wonderful female attribute. Like female athletes are very attractive to males because they're competitive and there's some camaraderie there. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And, and it's not blurring the gender lines at all. It's just a personal preference. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a personal joy. Some people like sports and some people don't. And so they're taking this and they were, they, they, they would twist it. And again, some of the, you know, athletic women, like what a blessing they are to their children in the sense of just training them with good hand-eye coordination. Like it's, it's a joy to have that perfect um, feminine ability to also be athletic and it doesn't need to blur gender lines at all. And Jessica, to your comment about Jesus returning, I still think it's really funny when we Christians say, I know it'll probably be better when he returns, but I just want to parent. Like, we're going into a new heavens and a new earth for all eternity with our believing children. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay for us Christians to look ahead to that. I just always laugh because I know exactly those feelings. I think yeah. about that all the time. Lord, could you come? But I wouldn't mind if you waited a little bit. And 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 now it's getting to the point where, you know, just come, Lord Jesus, come, just come, and uh, and, and and rid this world of all of the injustice that we see. So, anyways, that that was my response to both of your comments there, um, Jessica. What 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 is the um, what, what what kind of kids do you have? Like, do you have two boys and one girl, one girl, two boys? What, what's the composition of the children? I have two girls and one boy, and the boy is also the middle child. So okay. I got boy mixed with middle. Um, it's a lot, but I he's like the little love of my life for sure. Um, so it's 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 fun. <laughs> Five, three, and one. That's great. I was the youngest of three and I had two older sisters. And what that enabled me to do having sisters is just helping to know how to talk to females and to, to treat females well. My parents, of course, had to train that up in me. And, and so it was a blessing. We have two boys oldest and then two girls next. So between 19 and 13. So we, in, on, in August, we will have four teenagers in our home right now. And um, wow. we've been homeschooling for 10 years awesome. and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And even when you talk about the idea of a bubble, it's not truly ever a bubble, but what you're doing is you are, I don't know if you've ever heard of the phrase of um, I'm insulating my children, not isolating them. And mm -hmm. so it's, 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 it's far different. You know, you don't expect a toddler to run a marathon. You would never say to a toddler, go run 27 or 26.2 miles or whatever it is. Cause I would never run a marathon. Those are awful, but um, you don't ask a toddler to do that. But what you do is you train up a toddler until they're a 19 or 16 year old. And then you go, go run a marathon. And so I, I think you're, I think you're being totally wise. And in California right now, especially you, we are seeing that, the public system is crumbling and, and this is really happening in Canada too, where the, the public system is almost a place that is, well, it's not almost, it, it, it's becoming a vile place. And so we actually have, a, we, I just did a podcast this last week with a co-pastor of mine and we said, we, we pretty much church discipline somebody in our church now if they sent their kids to a public school. That's, that's how strong we're taking this situation right now. Mm. I don't know responses to pastors who would church discipline their people for sending their kids to a public school. Julian, what do you think? Well, I, I think that that sentiment sounds nice, but at the same time, I know that not every, not every parent has, has that ability to be able to homeschool their, their children. And I think 
more important than you know how how a parent chooses to um, educate their child is I mean really spiritual education starts within the home um, training your children in in who they are in Christ first and foremost so that when they go out into the battlefield whether that is the public school setting uh, they know first and foremost who they are in in Christ um, and so when the world's ideology is thrown at them um, they're able to fall back on a a strong foundation. And so, well, I certainly think it would be nice for, for all parents to be able to, to bring their kids home and to educate them from home. Um, I think that um, having parents uh, train their children up in the ways of the Lord so that when their kids eventually uh, go out, whether that is in public school uh, or sports or any other type of public setting, uh, these children know uh, who they are in Christ and have a strong biblical worldview. Um, because that's what that's what we need more and more. And I, I actually had a thought a, a little bit earlier when we were talking about just this idea of, of, of children. Um, you know, if a child wants to be something other than their biological sex. And in today's culture, we have so many uh, adults saying, OK, we're just going to affirm that we're going to affirm that ide- ideology. Uh, instead of affirming the great aspects of being a biological female. If you have a biological female, an 11-year-old girl that says, I just want to be a boy, what what can we affirm in her that is great about being a female? But I think so often now we have this affirmation that goes in the other way of, okay, we're going to affirm your desire to be a boy. And as you mentioned, the, this very limited aspect of what it means to be a boy. I wanted to be stronger and faster, but that is one very small aspect of being a boy. And so being able to, you know, for parents, being able to affirm in their children what is good and right about being the biological sex that God made them to be, um, I think is going to go so much further, um, you know, as as parents are raising up their children and and sending them out into um, a, a battle zone. So as we talk about Battle Zone, Jessica, you kind of shared what it was like for students um, on the on the field where there's a student sitting there on their iPhone. Um, that wasn't product placement. I just said the word iPhone. I didn't mean to advertise for Apple. Um, and 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 you know, discipline is a, is an issue. What is the environment like? Like, what are some other things that you're seeing? in the school system. I think people who are, their children are either beyond these years or, you know, their grandparents or, or young, younger parents who are not in the system yet, it's hard for them to get an understanding of how things are. Is it really that, are, are you really not allowed to discipline students with simple things like taking away their phones? Yeah, that that used to be a thing. I remember when that was allowed and, and then there was some sort of switch and i think it it was the they ju- they justified it on like the liability of you know say if a teacher took a phone and then it broke um and so i i remember the switch taking place and it just it felt like okay we're we're being limited more on more more and more in in how we can you know attempt to, to control our, our classes and our students and be able to teach and so forth. Um, so yeah, that hope that opened up a whole, you know, other realm of, of issues because again, saying to them, you know, please put your phone away. They might do it in that moment to, you know, appease you, but before you know it, you turn, you turn around for a second and they have it back out. You know, the only one way to truly keep it put away for class is, you know, taking it away from them like we used to be able to do. And I don't know how this is everywhere. Um, I just, you know, I'm speaking from my experience in the one school district that I taught for for six years. Um, But yeah, I mean, with them having that access 24-7 to their phone, it becomes like they're living in it. They're becoming detached from reality, right? We're talking a lot about what's real and what's not. Um, And so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough battle to fight when, when it's just constantly like, you can't do this, you can't do that. And it's just like, what can we do then other than just 
watch our students. <laughs> On that point, are you ever fearful in, in that environment for your safety? I, I'm seeing, you know, I kind of follow a number of people on Twitter who are, you know, pretty passionate about sharing videos of in-class violence for the sake of making people aware of the level of aggression that's going on. Did, did you see aggressive behavior in students where you weren't able to deal with that? Um, it, like the way that the way that you would like to have dealt with that? Was there any you know, are you concerned for students' safety in this environment of of such an idol, like such an idol of feelings that you know kids are brewing and and they're allowed to lash out or they're allowed to behave the what they want? Like, have you seen escalations that you were you were concerned about? Um, I I definitely had witnessed a handful of fights. A, a couple of them, I. I remember trying to break up because I was, you know, concerned for for a student seriously getting hurt. And then I actually had to be reminded by like a campus supervisor. I was pregnant one time when I was trying to help break up a fight. And he was like, just don't like just don't put, you know, your safety and your baby's safety on the line to to try and break up these fights. Like just, you know immediately try to get a hold of one of us but of course it just happened in front of my face and I didn't feel like I could run away from it to try and get someone I was you know trying to do something in that moment um sorry I'm blinking yeah there's definitely been um an escalation and I think what it all comes down to is is the follow-through and the accountability um on like administrators behalf and and again, the the parents being notified and them also, you know, taking action and students having repercussion, not only at and in school, but then at home as well, because we're supposed to be that that team, you know, um, and shaping and molding um, student behaviors for for the good of, of society that they will eventually be be out and in and a part of on their own. Um, and I know we're seeing like that really soften when it comes to how schools are handling, you know, issues, dis disciplinary issues. Um, there's definitely been softening there, which is only breeding more of it. Yeah. Well, we're talking about some, some heavy things and, and Jessica, thank you for taking the stand and, and you, you know, I'm, I'm confident that God will use you as you tell your story and, I know Julianne that where the case is at, you've just you've just filed, um, and now you're waiting a response. Do you want to give us a quick update on where the case is technically at? Sure. So uh, we've filed a complaint on behalf of Jessica against the school district. Uh, now the any any time now the uh, school district will uh, be responding with an answer. And then from there, that will kind of lead us on, on kind of how we, we take the case. So right now we're kind of in this waiting period. Uh, we'll see how the district will respond and then go from there. So just for the two of you, just for your information, we've got a case right now um, where we're um, defending a young man named Josh Alexander. And I know that um, the way that the school board responded was they sure lawyered up. And they they sure uh, did not like us um, defending Josh's right and and uh, basically to state his religious beliefs and also to not be compelled speech. A very similar situation. And uh, again, at the first time we received their 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 letter back, I I was I was driving somewhere in Tennessee and I got a phone call from our chief litigator and he said, "Okay, well I." I think, I think everybody just needs to be ready because uh, they, they, they're they're lawyering up big time, and so we just understand what you're going through and empathize with you. We, yeah, we'll be praying for you both uh, and for wisdom and success and the Lord's favor in the courts. Uh, please uh, make sure that you keep us posted. And everybody, uh, you can go online. Jessica has uh, shared her. Is that is that a Twitter handle or is that a hashtag? Uh, that is, that's a Twitter handle, right? That's not a. Or is that an Instagram and, handle? Um, it's it's in, 
it's Instagram. I did recently make a Twitter, but I like never go on it. I I'm still very new to it. So I don't know what to do over there on Twitter, but I'm, I'm very active on my Instagram. So this is my Instagram handle. I understand that my, 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 my children will be mortified that I assumed you had a Twitter handle. That's, that's funny. Um, so I, we, you I know, do folks, have one. Go, I don't even go know along and follow Jessica and you can hear about her story. And we just thank you for listening. Please share this video, help other people know what's going on in these different legal situations uh, around North America. And we pray that you would uh, have God's speed as you yourself go out and live a bold Christian life for Christ. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Julianne. We'll talk to you all later. Thank you.